Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scott, formerly of 24-7, now all of Locked On. I think I figured out the sound issue. I spent about a half an hour messing around with it today, so I think I understand uh, what was going on in my little OBS studio. I'll get into that in the show today in our network-wide theme of what we're going to be doing. We're going to look at fielding slash defense, maybe the hardest thing to evaluate. We're going to look at a few different ways to attack that idea and then we're going to dive into, it's been a, we didn't do any like focus draft content year in a while, and we didn't do a focus content on uh, draft history recently. So we're going to dive into that for the rest of the show today. Always a fun time. Remember the last time I did one of these, we found out that the Indians uh, draft compensation has been very bad for the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians. And uh, when they, uh, they lost a pick to sign a 41-year-old Roberto Hernandez, that pick the Mets took local product Scott Movell out of St. Ed's, uh, who was squeezed between Giancarlo Stanton and Freddie Freeman. So you're going to find some more great information like that, and even more in a moment. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. At least uh, three days a week, I should say. When we, where we have podcasts, wherever you get them, apps, streaming, whatever, you will find Lockdown Guardians there in your feed to provide information about the Guardians and often of late college baseball in the draft because that was my first love. Well, technically not my first love. It's my first national gig, I should say, when I was the lead prospect analyst slash uh, MLB draft writer for Scouting in 24-7. Might have heard me on the John Stash Hour show, uh, local radio, drive time radio in all over the country. Uh, if it was in Texas, I'll apologize now. That was my worst one. I remember, <laughs> I've probably told this on the show before, but it's always the embarrassing one. I It's the week before the draft. I get the, you know, Scout was very good uh, setting me up with a ton of interviews. I remember doing like 50 one year. Uh, and I go on this one for in Texas, in Houston or somewhere around there. I can't remember. And instead of asking me about the baseball draft, they asked me about the Rangers. And I was just, I was not prepared. I'm like, uh, I mean, it was a bad one. I, <laughs> I don't have any defense other than the fact that, like, I was coming on to talk draft, not talk about, you know, Adrian. I remember specifically being like, Adrian Beltre is good. And they're like, he's been hurt. I'm like, well, I, I've been, and I literally told them. I've been focused on the draft. I am sorry. I, I have not been paying that much attention to the Rangers. And, uh, yeah, that was my worst worst ever radio interview. Uh, my first one ever, I think I mentioned, was Mark Schwab on 92.3 when I wrote an article about, uh, you know, the Michael Bourne uh, and Nick Swisher and the excitement of their free agent signings, looking at things like war and the like. Uh, I, I always remember Schwab being like, uh, what was it? He liked VORP because he just liked how it sounded. And, you know, fair enough. That's one of those things I can get behind that. Uh, so let's get into what we're focused on the show today, though, now that we've got some behind baseball stuff there. Uh, let's talk about defense in the division. So when you're talking about defense overall in the way things are shaping up in the Central Division, uh, you know, a few years ago you would have really liked where Cleveland was going in that category, right? Uh, when you looked at their up-the-middle and you consider. You know, adding Miles Straw is definitely an improvement, don't get me wrong, but 
You know, Ahmed Rosario, if he's your shortstop, that's a pretty significant drop from recent years. Jose Ramirez is actually getting better every year at the position. Uh, Bobby Bradley was a negative defender at first base, which is not an easy task. We don't even know who's going to be your corner outfielders. Catcher, they do have a nice defensive value there. And if Jimenez plays second, you expect some value there, as well as with Zimmer in one of those corner spots when he plays. But it is not a team that is quite as high on overall defensive value as it has been. So let me adjust the hat here. <laughs> so a year ago, uh, the worst team in the division by far was the Detroit Tigers when it came to defense. Now, I say last year, and I'm using outs above average. I'll just be honest. Uh, if you've listened to me for a while, you know defensive war is a hot mess at best. Um, any way that we're measuring it, like a lot of those um, user, you know, user, however, you know, UZR, uh, it's like you need three to four years of data, which means rookie players, it's really incomplete. So the Tigers were bad a year ago, 21st in all baseball, negative 14 outs above average. And, you know, for those who don't know, outs above average were, it's it's certain just as like an average player would get to this ball. Are you getting there or not using, you know, the metrics in play? Oh, the dangers of recording down here. I think everything's a little quieter, so I apologize for that weird break. But the Tigers, uh, they were an awful team. Willie Castro at shortstop was worth negative. They had an overall negative 11 value at shortstop by outs above average. Uh, so when you're going from that to Javi Baez, who in a down year was worth, let's see, last year, he was worth a 3. The year before that, he'd been a 10. Uh, he was worth, in 2019, 32 runs. Like, that was amazing. That's unlike anything else. But he's been, you know, a 7, an 11, a 14. He's been a very strong defender. Yes, he is getting older, but he's also, like, not old, old. You know, he's not a player. He's 29. You're not worried so much about that. He's still a elite defender, and you're talking about just that upgrade alone, going from a negative 11 to, let's say, a 4, which is, I believe, what Jave was last year in a down year, if you can keep it up. Uh, I'm sorry, he was a 3. So if you go, still, it's a 14-run improvement. If you go from a negative uh, 13 to, um, uh, wow, what did I say, a four from a negative 11, that's what, 15 runs, so you go to a plus two, that would take them again, they were 21st in baseball, a two would take them up to 15th, that would put them past the White Sox, by the way, who are currently 15th, so just adding Baez is a huge jump, Tucker Barnhart's an improvement at catcher, now outs above average does not count catcher, because they're not in in as many things, you'd have to look at framing and things like that for their overall impact. But I think basically this is my long way of saying the Detroit Tigers are not the worst anymore. Uh, we'll see if the, how they balance everything else out. You know, Eric Haas was really strong a year ago. They're really going to glue him to the bench. Can't make him a DH because he's still got Miggy. Is he going to play like left? Can Akil Badu is a great athlete. Can he maybe move to center? I thought he was going to play center when he was drafted all those years ago. Maybe. We'll see what happens. But there's uh, the Tigers are improving. Unfortunately for the White Sox, one could make a case. I don't know if I necessarily want to say that they're getting worse, but you look at where they were a year ago, and then you consider that the only real change to this roster when you're looking at the Tigers is second base, where um, Cesar Hernandez was solid. He wasn't necessarily great, but he was solid for them. Moving over to uh, Liere Garcia, who's been you know a solid defender in his own right, don't necessarily think it's a huge loss uh it's probably a lateral move overall and i know what you're thinking well you know they had so many injuries a year ago in chicago just getting everyone healthy 
will be a big improvement. Well, not really, right? Like, they could be even worse. Yes, uh, having Luis Robert out there full-time in center field is going to be better than, like, Adam Engel. And, I mean, they had Billy Hamilton, who's a strong defender in his own right. That's basically, I mean, that and speed are his only advanced skills. Uh, but you're also, Eli Jimenez is playing a lot more, and he is a DH playing outfield. They could be worse, is basically a long way of saying. So the White Sox might have been the top of the division in the first two categories. Uh, when it comes to defensive fielding, they're clearly fifth. Fourth is the Detroit Tigers. We are going to take our first break, come back, and talk about the top three. Football might be over for this season, though what a fun week the Combine was. Basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props, to where fi- to find the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is their morning spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, let's talk top three, right? Let's get into it. So uh, we already talked about the bottom two and why those particular you know, teams were at the bottom. When you're looking actually at defensive rankings over in StatCast, Stat nope, in Baseball Savant. Okay, so going back into the Twins here, I apologize again for the start and stops as I try to deal with sounds. Uh the Twins, you could have a, a case for them being much worse than they're rated. They overall had six outs above average at shortstop, and that's because Andre and Andrelton Simmons missed a lot of time. He was worth, worth 15 outs above average. So when he wasn't there, their net position was a negative nine. That's how bad they were at shortstop, and that's the guys who are going to be handling the position this year. The Twins defensively are rough. If you want to put them closer to the bot, they're definitely closer to the bottom, too in the top and one could make a case with the addition of Javi Baez that maybe the twins should be even lower uh, overall last year in terms of outs above average they were 13th with a net four and again you could take out just the 15 of letting Simmons go that would take them to a negative 11 which would put them at 19th between the Marlins and the Dodgers uh, if you wanted to list them fifth I could see it if you wanted to list them fourth I could see it third where I put him I could see it obviously because I put him there but you're also hoping for like full season with Buxton Kepler some health stuff uh guys just being in a position and playing it every day they're going to be worse than they were a year ago but I don't know if I trust the twins and I definitely don't trust what the White Sox have uh overall at that position to uh to make me shift anyone else upwards so then you got your big two the Indians, or Guardians, I should say, still getting used to it, the Guardians and the Royals. The Royals were sixth last year, the Guardians were eighth. So in spite of some of the concerns I had, they were still a strong defensive team. When you look overall at the Royals, um, their weakest position was third base and right field. Those were both very negative positions for them a year ago on these ranks. And I know Roster Resources has Bobby Witt Jr. starting the year at third base. I still don't see it. I still think, you know, teams are going to mess... Unless something comes in the CBA, and who knows at this point what's going to come with the CBA, uh, to, to prevent a team from worrying about something like Super 2 and service time. I just can't see that happening. This would also lead to Carlos Santana being a bench bat for them. I don't think he'd be happy about that. Um, and, and, I mean, he's better than Hunter Dozier as a first base. Hunter Dozier doesn't bring anything to the game uh, in spite of 
the comments made by Harold Reynolds on his draft night. Those are high comedy if you want to go find them. But, you know, Mondesi is a solid defensive shortstop. Of course, Nicky Lopez was actually a really good defensive shortstop by outs above average. If you just move one of them to third temporarily, I think this is probably the top lineup. Carlos Santana is a good defender uh, at first as well. They don't really have a lot of weakness. Uh, like I said, third base, healthy Mondesi at short. Nicky Lopez at third, that would be a really big improvement. Right field, you've got Kyle Isabel, Isbell, I should say, who should be average-ish, you know, full-time there. I think they're going to be the number one team. I think that overall I trust what they have a little bit more than Cleveland. Now we look at Cleveland, right field and third base. Well, it's weird, the third base. Outs above average was the negative areas. I guess it was just not as high on Jose as uh, some of the other barometers were. Uh, you know, I think Ahmed Rosario is, when I look at these two teams, the biggest potential net uh, negative performer at a valuable position. That That's just how I view it. That's why I put the Guardians at two. They still have, you know, some very good pieces. Adding Miles Straw uh, was a huge improvement in center field. Bradley Zimmer, when he plays, is a very strong defender. Hopefully he's not playing every day, but still, he brings value there. And you're hoping that someone like Steve Kwan will actually be an above-average to plus defender playing in left. Maybe they move on from Bobby Bradley, and that would be an improvement at first base defensively. And if they trade him at Rosario you know, to a shortstop needy team at some point, when you shift Jimenez or Arias there, a huge upgrade. All of a sudden, if someone I talked about here happens, they might be the top team in terms of defense. They're at least in the conversation. But as of right now, Kansas City, Indians, big cutoff, Twins, Tigers, White Sox. That's, that is essentially how I see it. There's a, there's a top two and then everyone else. Uh, let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. We're going to take our next break right here in the show. Come back and talk about another draft class. We're going to dig into the 1995 draft. The draft class that happened during the last time there was a work stoppage, right? Seems like the perfect time to discuss such a draft class. So what's going down right now over with our friends on Built Bar? All the Built Bar boosts are $9.99 for limited time. I haven't used mine as much lately, but I enjoyed them. This is one of those things where the uh, when they redid everything, the bars and the boosts, the boosts were one of the hugest improvements. The old ones, which if you still had some, I don't know why, because it'd be like three years old. The old ones, I'll admit, not my favorite. New ones, I like quite a bit. I add them to drinks to give me a little bit of extra energy in the day. There's some caffeine in it, There's all plus some other helpful things to help protect and energize you're getting vitamins minerals and that caffeine it's a it's a nice way to help you get through your day and right now all their boosts are on sale for 9.99 um i've tried the root beer because i love root beer but i recommend more of the fruit flavors and right now again i'm going to tell you the the mixed flavored puffs mix box that is the thing i look at this site that i am most tempted to order if i hadn't literally just ordered three boxes of bars i would be jumping in and doing that order right now using the promo code locked 15 to save 15%, I buy this product, I use this product, and I use that promo code to save money, and you should too. There's BuiltBar.com, A-plus in my health food app, A-plus in my stomach, promo code LOCKED15. Let's go to Rock Auto right now. I need a new windshield wiper. Let's go see how quick and easy this is, even though like I am the worst person for cars. I go to the Rock Auto site, all the parts your car will ever need, promotions and rebates in the corner. You can get uh, five quarts, uh, five quart jugs of oil, five dollars cash back right now. Brake kits, spark plugs, 
engine air and cabin air and fuel filters i've talked about filters are the easy thing you can change those in your car you can watch a youtube video and change those i have changed air filters and you get a, a rebate 350 cash back with ac delco ones i mean that's exact save yourself more money and time when you go to rockauto.com so i come over the side here I, I scroll down through the convenient and i'm like okay let's find the ford f-o-r there we go it's in dark because it's a you know a, a big company my car is a 2016 and let's find my fusion it is the turbocharged not the electric gas and if i look for wipers windshield wiper blades i can get them as cheap on here i mean they have options for days options for days and you can see beam extended life winter uh beam standard uh i can get it for let's see as cheap as 493 a blade how about that as uh, you know what a, a fantastic price uh, pop these right on. I'm going to be placing an order soon. And then they even have these little hearts to uh, let people know that what they sell the most often. So maybe I should spend an extra dollar and get the Trico instead of the Hello or the Hella because that's that's what people who come here buy. So you have that additional information at your fingertips at rockauto.com. Check it out for yourself. And in the little How'd You Hear About Us box, make sure to write Locked On. So the 1995 draft, one that happened due to a work stoppage, is a crazy draft. Let's just get into it right off the top. Uh, it starts with Darren Erstead, who I felt like he was always a bit of a disappointment. You know, I could be wrong in this. Like I, He produced a 32 war. Like That's a solid career by any measure. But I felt like he was supposed to be a star, right? When he was coming out of Nebraska, he was going to be a star. His first year in the big leagues, I mean, he finished sixth in the rookie of the year, only 57 games okay numbers and he was here's the thing at his peak from 23 through 26 he had uh ops's of you know 800 to 900 most years one year in there uh a 683 but most years he was just a six seven hundred you know health was an issue for him for a lot of it it's kind of interesting he must have been worth a ton defensively uh 10.8 of his career war 18.2 offensively but he had a lot of down years, but he was a, a pretty uh, big-name prospect. And the number two draft prospect across the board, I remember the hype on Ben Davis, the catcher from Malvern Prep, who just produced uh, Lonnie White last year. That was the—did uh, Lonnie White sign with anyone? Did he end up—I think he did. Uh, he was also—he was going to Penn State for baseball and for— um, football he was a two-way went to the pirates right part of their yep he was part of their big um haul from signing henry davis uh which you know if you listen to the show i explained why i agreed with all of that jose cruz they just call him jose cruz even though he's jose cruz jr i mean he ended up at 19.6 war carrie wood for all of his issues 27.6 ariel prieto the you know 3.2 he was another guy who was kind of a big name uh jamie jones is the only player in this top 10 who did not get to the big leagues. He was a high school outfielder. He got the AAA. He got close. Uh, you know, average production in the minors. Didn't do quite enough uh, bouncing through. Uh, I mean, number eight, you got Todd Helton. Uh, that's a, And the, <laughs> the crazy thing is he's actually was relatively cheap to sign out of the University of Tennessee. He was also, what, the backup quarterback? 
Uh, but he only got 892,000. Everyone else was a million plus. Uh, the only other player in the top 10 who didn't get a million plus, by the way, was Jeff Jenkins, who uh, was also highly productive at the University of Southern California. He got 911,000. So Todd Helton was the cheapest player to sign in the top 10. Clearly the top player uh, in the top 10 in terms of value. You can go down a little bit further. Uh, Matt Morris, the starting pitcher, went 12th to the Cardinals. Uh, he had a, a productive career. Mark Redman, the left-handed pitcher. And Matt Morris, another seat. Seton Hall has had some pitchers through the years. Uh, you know, I remember Mark Redman is that lefty I always thought was going to be more than he was. And the best player in the class is Roy Halladay, who was out of, uh, you know, Arvada West High School in Arvada, Colorado. I don't know if I've ever seen that program before. Uh, but man, what a miss. It's it, it's not a miss by Colorado. They took a borderline Hall of Fame talent. But just one of those unfortunates, they couldn't have gotten both of them. Uh, but that is your, your top producer. Uh, I was trying to see who else. I mean, Michael Barrett played 1,000 games in the big leagues, uh, even if he had a war of 2.7. Uh, and it's one of the highest amounts in this entire first round. What did the Indians do that year? Uh, well, if you're curious, before I get into that, uh, in terms of players from uh, Avarta West, uh, Tag Bozid, I remember. That's a name that, that jumps to mind. Um, yeah, most of it. Brad Mulvin, Mulvaney is a name that jumps to mind. But yeah, that, that's about it. Uh, so your Indian slash Guardians that year in the first round took with pick 25 because they were doing quite well that year. I'm sorry, 23. Uh, David Miller out of Clemson University. And I was kind of curious to go look this up. This is an era where um, bats were exploding. This is when they kind of started to change how uh, hitters, what what hitters could use. It came not long after the 90s and early 2000s where the production got to be too much. But I understand why you take a chance to a degree on David Miller. First base only prospect to hit nine home runs is going to be concerning for me. Now, the other side is he did hit 380 with a 467 on base, a 610 slugging. Uh, he walked more than he struck out, walked nearly 14% of the time. He did have 14 doubles, 10 triples, and nine home runs. So he was an extra base machine. It just the power wasn't there. And unfortunately, that was kind of the continuation for him. Uh, nine home runs in 68 games was the highest home run total he ever had progressing through the minors. Uh, he had nine home runs in 115 games in 1998 for Buffalo, and he just wasn't a strong enough hitter. He was a 260 hitter in the minors as opposed to well over 300 uh, in his NCAA years. He had non-base percentage over 400 in college. It was 333, and the slugging was 385. Like He did have okay doubles, but you're. this is exactly why you don't draft first baseman. This is why I tend to avoid that position in general. Um, and specifically guys who can't hit for power because it's harder to move them to another spot. Like David Miller, his you're looking at a profile that is potentially fringy if anything goes wrong. This is why I talk about like the drafting the guy who's super safe. Um, I'd have to go and look where he stood compared to other players again because you know just the way the era was and how uh, production was different then. But I mean, I don't think I would have hated the pick then. But I would definitely have had massive concerns about drafting a first baseman who was not a power hitter, especially in the era that he was drafted. And if you're drafting this guy, uh, maybe you think he can play some outfield, but he was not, you know, a great outfield prospect. 
he very quickly when he got to he was drafted in 95 didn't play at all in 95 goes to high a in 96 and then the very guardians approach of 97 double a 98 triple a 99 triple a 2000 double a goes to triple a gets released goes to atlanta for a bit then goes to cincinnati in 2002 and he's an independent ball in 2003 there just wasn't enough bat there that's just end of the day that's what went wrong this was an era where the indians miners were barren and it really hurt to completely whiff on talent like they did there uh and again i understood why there's a logic to what they did that year but my goodness, it's, you know, the problem was the 90s in general and the John Hart era, I, it just in overall, like he draft, could not draft to save his soul. Like they could not replenish their minors. And I mean, that continued through the Shapiro era. I wrote articles on that back in the day at Indians Baseball Insider. Uh, part of the reason this team kind of bottomed out as hard as it did is they were just could, if it was drafting, if it was developing, if it was everything. But I looked at data from like, I should I know I have the article somewhere and I've referenced it before from like 95 through 2015 and the three worsting three worsting three worst teams in baseball by a significant margin in terms of draft uh turning into value war and that's like just drafting anyone who turned into war I gave because I was lazy at the time I give credit to guys you didn't even sign so that meant that like uh the Indians got credit for Tim Lincecum's value but since I did it for everyone, I figured it was fair. But still, the the end of the day, it's like the Yankees um, forfeited a lot of picks, and that affected them as well. But it was the Yankees, the Indians, and then the Reds were even worse. And that's just one of those things that stood out. And so the the thing, though, I will say is, you know, 95, they come back in the second round. Sean Casey is one of their best second-round picks ever. He came out and performed super well for them. Uh, Chad Whitaker was their third-round pick. And the name is vaguely familiar to me. I wish I could tell you too much more. Uh, in the 90s, you know, when I was, like, really into this stuff. Because then, uh, 2001, I go to college. That's his last year. And that's, I was, when I got to college, I didn't have as much of a focus, I'll be honest, on minor league baseball. Just didn't hit in the minors. Like, that was from St. Thomas Aquinas High School. Um, I can keep going down through. I mean, the next big name for me on this list that sends out is Scott Morgan, who they took in the seventh round. And I was always kind of upset he never got a greater opportunity in the minors uh, he is most known if you probably are like me for the 1999 season when he hit a combined 34 home runs uh, that was after 1998 where he hit 25 home runs and this is a guy who he gets drafted in 95 plays a little bit in low a and the next year between a and high a uh, and then for some reason like he, he's from Gonzaga it's not like he's a high school kid Six foot seven outfielder, like just a huge guy. Uh, they have him go low A, high A, then starts 1997 in low A before getting a late bump up to double A. Like he was a non priority prospect and he just didn't get reps. And it's unfortunate because at the end of the day, I mean, he had 164 home runs across his minor league career. Uh, was very much slow played through the minors. Even that like year where he hit the uh, 1999, he hits 34 home runs. He's already 25 years of age. Uh, he gets to do a partial season in Buffalo and across his minor league career, what are his numbers in 972 games, 276 batting average, 351 on base, 494 slugging. He walked a lot as well. Scott Morgan got hosed. <laughs> There's no other way around it. I understand that like 2000 would have been a decent opportunity for him. He ends up in Anaheim. Um, I think Cleveland let him go. I don't think that was a trade. I believe he was released at age 26. 
But age 25, 274 batting average across two levels, 34 home runs. He walked 56 times, 348 on base, 548 slugging. If he played like six years later, he probably gets an opportunity as teams are paying more attention to something like on base percentage. And, you know, we've talked about Russell Brannion. Russell Brannion's power was too much to look past. Scott Morgan was a light version of Russell Brannion. And because of that, unfortunately, he never even got a cup of coffee in the big leagues when he should have. Uh, Tim Jorgensen, I got a shout out just now that I live in Wisconsin and he was a Wisconsin person. Mike Edwards was a shortstop who they drafted out of uh, the Mechanicsburg area of Pennsylvania in the ninth round. He at least got to the big leagues. You got to give credit to that. He played for Oakland, L.A., and Pittsburgh in 03, 05, and 06. Going back to this draft class, Scott Winchester, part of the—they loved Clemson. David Miller was their first pick out of Clemson. Uh, They took uh, Scott Winchester also out of Clemson. I believe he was part of the John Smiley trade, right? Wasn't it Graves, Winchester, Damian Jackson, and another uh, piece? Darren Loudermilk in the 15th round. Why does that feel like a, a movie name to me? I mean, I, I'm sure if I type it in, uh, oh, it's a TV show apparently called Loudermilk. Wasn't there a character in something? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, because that's the yeah, that's the character from The Office. But it was Sam. But yeah, there was they drafted a guy, Darian uh, Loudermilk. Uh, this is what happens on the podcast. We we go down rabbit holes of my own nature. Darian Loudermilk out of Oklahoma. He got uh, two years in the minors, and it did not work out. Seventy three innings. Scott Winchester was indeed. What is this batting? Am I clicking on that? Oh, because I'm still on Scott Morgan. Too many Scots in this class. Yeah, Scott Winchester was part of that trade. As I do a quick look over there. Other signees to make it to the big leagues. Mark uh, Budzinski, who was taken in the 21st round of the University of Richmond. Mike Glavin, a first baseman, who was taken out of Northeastern University uh, in the 22nd round. Jason Rakers. I remember, does everyone else remember when he was like going to be a potential back-end starter? at New Mexico State University uh, in the 25th round. Like, he was at one point in time, and I laugh because this is how bad the minors were. I believe he was, like, the top pitching prospect in the minors or just about there, like him and Willie Martinez. I should go look up, like, what happened to Willie Martinez. But it's like Rakers and Martinez were one and two at one point in time. Jamie Brown didn't sign a 34th round pick who would go on to make it to the big leagues. Randy Kiesler did not sign a 40th rounder who would make it to the big leagues. And Cody Ransom did not sign a 43rd rounder who would later on make it to the big leagues. 55 rounds they win. This is back when you kept drafting until you said stop. Tony Fleetwood was the last player to sign in the 51st round of the Oklahoma State University, which is also where Darren Loudermilk was from. They were definitely tackling uh, some similar spots going back to the, the well, as it were. I mean... In the 30th and 31st round, they took a pair of University of Miami guys back-to-back, Jason Adage and Ricky Gonzalez, uh, neither who made it to the big leagues. But overall, uh, I mean, it's it's not a great class. You look at where they were picking, and in that first round, it's like, okay, so if they don't take David Miller, your best outcome is Michael Barrett, Jeff Leifer, who like had a nice high point at one point in time as a starter but ended up with a negative war. Uh, I mean, I guess Jared Washburn's probably the guy you want, or Carlos Beltran, who did go in the second round. 
Marlon Anderson, Mark Bellhorn. Those are some uh, second round picks. Second round one could, you know, Sean Casey was a strong second round pick. Brett Tomko um, also in the second round. So there was a lot of good players in the second round. Probably want to keep Casey, but man, imagine getting Beltron uh, in his in, in place of David Miller. Randy Wynn, Ryan Dempster, Bronson Arroyo, J.J. Putz, the uh, reliever. There was value to be found, if we're going to be fair. Uh, Adam Everett didn't sign, but it was a pick. Russ Ortiz, who stuck around for a while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Guardians were just not. Sean Getting a Sean Casey in a draft class during this era is a coup. That's just truth of it. Overall, this was probably one of their more successful drafts of the the mid to late 90s, uh, Brian Schnech, Schnecher, Schneider and Jason LaRue, a pair of serviceable backup catchers, Doug Mankiewicz in the fifth. Just keep going through, throwing some of the fun names. Joe Nathan in the sixth, so we got another good closer. How about the seventh round? Oof, seventh round only has negative war. Entire round. Ryan Miner, who did not sign, uh, had the most games played. Everyone else was a cup of coffee. Eighth round gives you A.J. Burnett and Ray King and Craig Monroe. So a solid reliever. Didn't, you know, King signed. Uh, a solid Monroe's list as a shortstop here. He'd go on to be a nice backup outfielder. And Burnett was a at least a one-time All-Star, right? Back with those Florida Marlins teams. Uh, the ninth round is a disaster. And if you look at the tenth, David DeLucci. Tenth round, future guardian. Ryan Friel. Another, I mean, that's he was a very successful guy for the Cincinnati Reds for a long time as that utility type. In the 11th round, Mark Quinn, who, uh, man, that was a good pick by the Royals. I, he was a huge prospect. It didn't work out for Mark Quinn, but he was going to be a, you know, he finished third in the Rookie of the Year in 2000, He and it was just every year decline after that. Good production that year, though. Uh, for him but he was a big prospect landing him in the 11th round good on that scouting department and uh, development but overall yeah it's not a great draft by your Cleveland Guardians in an era where they're not drafting well boy did we go long let's just end it up here (laughs) sorry drafts take me a while I cannot let go I've been Jeff Ellis this has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast from one I remind you rate and review download daily I want to thank you for making this your first listen of the day Uh, go check out the Cleveland Browns uh, Locked on Browns get their rundown of a crazy combine uh i want to again thank all the fans locked on guardians family and as we end every show now go go guardians go